Hello, everybody. Welcome. As we continue on in our study through the Bible, um, we are well into our study now. We're actually eight years into that. I, I, when I started eight years ago, we started working through the New Testament. I said we were going to go through the whole Bible. People kind of went, uh-huh. Uh, but we're eight years in now, so we've done all of the New Testament, and we're into only Exodus. But these first five books of the Bible have a lot of uh, territory. And uh, so it, it takes a while. And, you know, you get a, a book with a lot of chapters in it, it'll take you a year to go through it. But some of the books will be quicker. But it's a 20-year uh, journey, so we're eight years in. That's pretty cool. So it's a, yeah, it's amazing to think ago. We started eight years ago. Some of you have been here virtually every Wednesday night since we started. That's really neat. Okay. So um, we're in the book of Exodus now. And we're in these chapters now. They're, 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 um, they're interesting chapters. And, and so... Uh, you know, you, you kind of have to look at a chapter like we're looking at them lately and, and find one or two neat things out of there. Because like when I, when I start this chapter, it's 43 verses of fashion. <laughs> that's, that's it. It's 43 verses dedicated to the garment that the priest would wear. For, 43 verses on clothing. I, and so um, you, you look at that and you read it and you say, well, you know, why is it so important? And I'll, I'll, give, you, I'll give you some of the reasons why it's so important. Um, as we get in there in a little bit. <laughs> but uh, what we've been up to this point in Exodus. So in Exodus, what you have, the, there's like, I keep telling you, there's four main things I want you to remember from the Exodus. We did that in Genesis too, but it, in the Exodus. Ooh, let's see. Can we remember what the four main things were in the Genesis? I haven't thought about that in a long time. Creation, the fall, the flood, and the Tower of Babel. Those were the four big events, and then it was about four main people after that. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. Good. So that's what, so now as we've been working through Exodus, the, the big things in Exodus are the Passover, which um, took us a long time to get through to the Passover because you had to go through all the plagues to get there and, you know, bondage and everything. But, but it's, it's, the, it's the Passover, the parting of the Red Sea uh, in, is, a, is a huge thing in the Exodus. And, and then I said the other two big things that we want to remember are the tabernacle, which is what we're talking about now, and the law. So that's where that all comes, starts coming to us in, in the Exodus, okay? So we're looking at those things, and there's a lot of symbolism in here. And uh, we've, because we've done the New Testament, we're able to tie and make some tie-ins, particularly as we talk about the tabernacle now, to the ministry of Jesus as our great high priest. And I have a couple of neat tie-ins tonight which is, like I said, you're always looking for little nuggets um, when you're reading some of these chapters that are, you, you wonder, why do they, why would they, why would God devote 43 verses to what kind of clothes Aaron would wear in ministry? But it's obviously very important to grab 43 verses out of the passage. And again, it, all these things are, are helping us to see Jesus and the ministry of Jesus as the great high priest and how his um, priesthood was once and for all, how his sacrifice was once and for all, how he, he um, uh, is able to, uh, his, his ministry is better and his priesthood is, is better than the Levitical one, and how he replaces all those things and what he did for us. And all this stuff kind of helps us grab those pictures of what's happening. And even last week, you know, when we talked about in, in the tabernacle and we've been talking about the tents, you know, and the fabrics being made for the, and, and how there was a gate and there was only one way in, and that's still true today. There's one way in, and that on the way in there was an altar because before you could get to God, sin had to be dealt with, 
and how, you know, the, back then it was the innocent animals were shed, their blood was shed to um, restore life to people, and now how, how, you know, Jesus is now the one who has paid the price for us, so we have access into God again, but all of these are pictures that are being developed for us way back here in um, the, the time of this, the wandering, the people of Israel. So, this chapter, chapter 28, which is where we're at today, um, it deals with the attire of the high priest, and, uh, and, and, and his successors as they'll come. Um, the last four verses or so deal with uh, the, uh, the clothing that his sons would wear as sort of subordinate priests in the process. And, and as I said, uh, interesting that an entire chapter of Scripture would be devoted to, in effect, clothing and what's happening. So um, as I read, you'll see that as part of the construction of the tabernacle, as part of this whole deal, they're to make sacred gar garments for Aaron um, to sanctify him so that he can serve the Lord as priest. And that's pretty important to know. You know, we're here to, to minister to the Lord. Sometimes we get that a little messed up. And the garments, you know, um, they, they expressed what Aaron represented. Not so much about who Aaron was, because he was certainly imperfect in many ways, but... Um, what his office required him to be. This is sort of what's happening. And the reason it's important, and let me read it to you. So when you're going to see, when I start reading the verses, these, these priestly garment, it's um, colors were important. There was gold, there was blue, purple, scarlet, white, um, um, that, and there was an ephod, and there was a belt, and a breast piece, and a cord, and a robe, and its cord, and the, the robe's hem was important. It was decorated with blue and purple and, and scarlet pomegranate, pomegranates and, and hung with gold bells. And, and it's very specific. It was a pomegranate and a bell and a pomegranate and a bell that went around this robe. We'll talk about the word more in a minute. Lots of gold in the chains and the rings and the settings and the turban and the medallion. Um, and and uh, these fabrics were the same as the, the that were being used in the tabernacle. And it was done on purpose to, to show that the, the high priest was regarded as the the one who was prepared, the appropriate person to perform the duties that were to take place within the tent of the tabernacle. And so in, in this sense, he was made for this work. And, and it's a picture, it's a foreshadowing of, of what the Lord Jesus would do, that, that as our great high priest, he was suited to the work that he came for uh, in, in us. He was holy, and he was blameless, and he was pure, and he was set apart and exalted, it says in Hebrews 7, 26. He was perfect for the priestly work that he would do on our behalf, the perfect man from heaven. So all this, the, the things that are happening now with the high priest are foreshadowing our great high priest, which is Jesus. Let's read 43 verses. I'm going to read out of the NIV. That's what's in your notes. I know that the font is a little small in the notes. Um, I couldn't read it. <laughs> but I wanted to get all the verses on the page. And for you young folks, you're good. Um, for the rest of us, either blow it up on your iPad or watch. It should show up on the screen. Um, NIV for me, whatever translation you got is good. Exodus 28, beginning in verse 1. Have Aaron, your brother, brought to you from among the Israelites along with his sons Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar, so that they may serve me as priests. Make sacred garments for your brother Aaron to give him dignity and honor. Tell all the skilled men to whom I have given wisdom in such matters that they are to make garments for Aaron, for his consecration, so he may serve me as priest. These are the garments they are to make, a breast piece, 
an ephod, a robe, a woven tunic, a turban, and a sash. They are to make these sacred garments for your brother Aaron and his son, so they may serve me as priests. Have them use gold and blue, purple and scarlet, uh, scarlet yarn and fine linen. Make the ephod of gold and of blue, purple and scarlet yarn and of finely twisted linen the work of a skilled craftsman. It is to have two shoulder pieces attached to two of its corners so it can be fastened. Its skillfully woven waistband is to be like it, of one piece with the ephod and made with gold and with blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and with finely twisted linen. Take two onyx stones and engrave on them the names of the sons of Israel in the order of their birth, six names on one stone and the remaining six on the other. Engrave the names of the sons of Israel on the two stones the way a gem cutter engraves a seal. Then mount the stones in gold filigree settings and fasten them on the shoulder pieces of the ephod as memorial stones for the sons of Israel. Aaron is to bear the names on his shoulders as a memorial before the Lord. Make gold filigree settings and two braided chains of pure gold like a rope and attach the chains to the settings. Fashion a breastpiece for making decisions, the work of a skilled craftsman. Make it like the ephod of gold and a blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and a finely, finely twisted linen. It is to be square, a span long and a span wide and folded double. Then mount four rows of precious stones on it. In the first row, there shall be a ruby, a topaz, and a beryl. In the second row, a turquoise, a sapphire, and an emerald. In the third row, a, a jacinth, an agate, and an amethyst. In the fourth row, a, chrys a chrysolite, an onyx, and a jasper. Mount them in gold filigree settings. That'd be pretty. You got a picture, yeah. There are to be 12 stones... One for each of the names of the sons of Israel, each engraved like a seal with the name of one of the twelve tribes. For the breastpiece, make braided chains of pure gold like a rope. Make two gold rings for it and fasten them in the two corners of the breastpiece. Fasten the two gold chains to the rings at the corners of the breastpiece and the other ends of the chain to the two settings, attaching them to the shoulder pieces of the ephod at the front. Make two gold rings and attach them to the other two corners of the breastpiece on the inside edge next to the ephod. It's sort of like anybody ever sewed, tried to sew anything? It's like reading the pattern, you know? <laughs> Backwards, upside down, but these guys knew what they were doing. Make two more gold rings, verse 27, and attach them to the bottom of the shoulder pieces and on the front of the ephod, close to the seam just above the waistband of the ephod. The rings of the breastpiece are to be tied to the ring of the ephod with blue cord, connecting it to the waistband so that the breastpiece will not swing out from the ephod. Whenever Aaron enters the holy place, he will bear the names of the son of Israel over his heart on the breastpiece of decision as a continuing memorial before the Lord. Also put the Urim and the Thummim in the breastpiece so that they may be over Aaron's heart whenever he enters the presence of the Lord. Thus Aaron will always bear the means of making decisions for the Israelites over his heart before the Lord. We're going to come back and talk about the Urim and the Thummim in a minute. Make the robe of the ephod entirely of blue cloth, with an opening for the head in its center. There shall be a woven edge like a collar around this opening so that it will not tear. Make pomegranates of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn around the hem of the robe with gold bells between them. The gold bells and the pomegranates are to alternate around the hem of the robe. Aaron must wear it when he ministers. The sound of the bells will be heard when he enters the holy place before the Lord and when he comes out so that he will not die. 
make a plate of pure gold and engrave it, uh, engrave on it as a, on a seal holy to the Lord. Fasten a blue cord to it and attach it to the turban. It is to be on the front of the turban. It will be on Aaron's forehead. And he will bear the guilt involved in the sacred gifts the Israelites consecrate, whatever their gifts may be. It will be on Aaron's forehead continually so that they will be acceptable to the Lord. Weave the tunic of fine linen and make the turban of fine linen. The sash is to be the work of an embroiderer. Make tunics, sashes, and headbands for Aaron's sons to give them dignity and honor. After you put these clothes on your brother Aaron and his sons, anoint and ordain them. Consecrate them so that they may serve me as priests. Make linen undergarments as a covering for the body, reaching from the waist to the thigh. Aaron and his sons must wear them whenever they enter the tent of meeting or approach the altar to minister in the holy place so that they will not incur, incur guilt and die. This is to be a lasting ordinance for Aaron and his descendants. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Now, at some level, what you need to see is how important uh, and how much respect was needed to be given to the Lord when they were going to enter into his presence. And Aaron was going to have to go into the holy place every day. Not the most holy place, he would, that was, but the holy place, which was just outside the most holy place. Aaron had to go in there every day and make sure the candles were going. Uh, like the oils, however that was. He was in there every day. And when he was going to go in to do that, um, he had to take preparations. He always had to, he had to be washed and, you know, uh, consecrated and then dressed in just this appropriate way to go in. And we'll talk more about the things. And he was, the names of everybody is inscribed on him. And he was coming before the Lord. And, and it was a significant deal, never to be taken lightly. You will see in the next, next book. So, uh, like a year from now when we get into Leviticus, that two of Aaron's sons don't take it seriously and they die. Um, just like that because they make light of this whole process in, in, and going in to be in the... So you, you, it's such an important thing for us to never take lightly the presence of the Lord and to never... Um, see, we have this amazing access now in Christ. You always talk about it. We actually have access to the most holy place. This is unheard of back then, right? But in Christ, we have access into the, the literal presence of the living God. You have access to Him because of what Christ has done. Because God sees you in the perfection of His Son, and, and we're seated in the heavenly place with Jesus. We have this amazing access. Uh, but because we have so much access, um, we, we want to make sure we never take it for granted. It's an amazing, awe-inspiring, nothing-like-it experience that's available to us because of the cross. And, and uh, they, the, the people of Israel were so you know, desperately wanted... The, the Lord did dwell there, and, and there was so much that went into it so that they never would take it for granted. And we have to make sure we never forget how much went into it for us to have this access that we have now. How much Jesus did in fulfilling all these things that were required on our behalf. Um, should, should just, every now and again, it needs to take your breath away. That's all I can tell you. I, I get that we get into stuff, and we're kind of going through life, and we're running through things. But every now and again, it, you should stop long enough that it completely you just go, wow, because it, it's one of those moments, and you need to have them occasionally. All right, so let's talk about uh, this a little bit. First five verses, um, the Lord gives Moses 
specific instructions about creating these sacred garments for his brother Aaron. And Aaron and his son would wear four layers of clothing. They would wear linen undergarments. It's interesting God has a say in that. <laughs> I think it's fascinating. A tunic, which was like a lightweight robe. Then another robe over that. And then the ephod. And the ephod was uh, sort of like a vest that, um, that fitted on them. Their arms would be out of the ephod. And it ran down um, somewhere, you know, uh, below their waist. Um, maybe down to uh, close to their knees. But... Um, the robe, that, that fancy hem of that robe that with all the pomegranates and bells, that would always be clearly exposed, what was going on. And um, they would always go in barefoot. That's, that's another whole deal. So um, all of this was taking place. And, and so um, the, the longest descriptions we, we saw, we'll, we'll talk about a little bit in a bit, you know, the, the ephod and the breast piece and what's happening there. Uh, and verses 4 and 5 are sort of a table of contents for all of these pieces of clothing. They're going to make a breast piece, an ephod, a robe, a woven tunic, a turban, and a sash. And then verse 5 has this big list of materials. They need to use gold, um, blue, purple, and scarlet, specifically fine linens. And um, as I said earlier, the, the material for the priest's garment was to be the same uh, as the tent of the meeting in which he ministered. So uh, that was important to them. So very, very come to, and that very possible that they were using somehow some sort of gold thread in this whole thing. They were pretty cool stuff to think about. So, uh, and and so God was telling them to bring Moses and his sons. They were going to measure them for that. There was a business, the beginning few verses. There was a big measurement time. Somebody with a tape, you know, to measure uh, inseam. <laughs> no, okay, so. Um, uh, th that's my picture. And then these craftsmen, he, you know, he said, tell all the people who I've given wisdom to do this, they need to be here. They need to make these garments. This is serious, serious business. So that happens first five verses, 6 through 14. Aaron um, would wear the ephod as, a, like I said, a, a sort of a vest-like outer garment, knee length, um, but short enough to see the robe underneath it. And it would fit so the arms came out of it. It was probably, you know, a sleeveless thing. It was made with gold and with blue, purple, and scarlet material. Uh, and uh, it had, you know, chains and hooks and things all over it. And the way it fit together, all of that was gold. Skilled craftsmen were to put it together. Now, they were to engrave two onyx stones with the names of the sons of Israel for the shoulder pieces. And, and they were to be in filigree settings uh, mounted and they were attached, this whole thing, to the shoulders of the ephod by broided chains and, and rope. And um, they were to be engraved the way a gem cutter engraves a seal. And they would engrave the names of the tribes of Israel, six on one side, six on the other, in the order of their birth. And what would happen is when Aaron would wear this thing, he would go in and, and he would bear the names on his shoulders of all of the tribes of Israel, in effect, the entire nation of Israel. He would come on them as a memorial before the Lord and how the Lord had done this amazing thing and brought them out as a nation. All of this was this thing happening there in the presence of Lord. And so he, Aaron, in effect, because of that, represents the whole community when he goes in, because he goes in by himself. All right. Um, verses 15 through 30, uh, it talks about this breast piece that was attached to the, the, the ephod. And they, they call it the breast piece for making decisions. And there's some interesting thought about this. And so there's, there's two stones 
that are um, that uh, accompany this breast piece um, for making decisions, and they're called the Urim and the Thummim, and um, which is interesting. And the Urim and the Thummim will pop up in the Old Testament every now and again, all the way through First Samuel, and then we never hear about them anymore. And the Bible doesn't really give us a lot of information on the Urim and the Thummim, other than that they're mentioned. We know that um, the words mean light and perfection, but then there's a big debate about how they're used in the process of making decisions, because that's what they were considered. And so um, there's all sorts of theories out there. So when you read about them, that's why I wanted to talk about it. So um, some scholars think they were... They were stones, and like there was a black one and a white one, and they were kept in a pouch, and uh, they were kind of drawn out as lots when, when they would ask a question of the Lord. And, you know, they would use lots back then and stuff, but that's right on the edge of divination, which was outlawed, uh, you know, like witchcraft. It's, it's on the edge of that stuff. But maybe it was, uh, you know, allowed by God for a season, if that's in, indeed the case, or, you know, because uh, I always, to me, that's sort of like, you, you remember those things when you were a kid that were like an eight ball, and you flipped them upside down, and you ask it a question, and <laughs> you know what I mean? That seems like a little kind of risky sort of way of asking, you know, for direction from the Lord. Because, yeah, they, and that's what they would ask. Are we supposed to go to battle? Pick out a stone. White, yes. <laughs> are we going to win? No. <laughs> Why are we going? So... So, but some people think that's how they were used. Uh, I would go with this. There's something about these, these stones, not in and of themselves, that there's anything like, you know, powers in these, no crystals in them. God used them. But I have a thought that the, these were just stones, uh, along with the, all the tribe represented, the Urim and the Thummim, were just stones. And when the high priest, and they would be on the breastpiece, when the high priest would go, um, and to inquire of the Lord that, that somehow when he would just cover those stones with his hands and, and in, in this manner he was just approaching the Lord for wisdom and for decisions and then would ask the Lord for direction and that they would receive direction from the Lord at that point. Um, that the high priest would, would know sort of the, the will of the Lord. Now, you'll see soon that the prophets will enter the scene and direction will come through the prophets and the, the Urim and Thummim aren't exist. But I, but I don't think the Urim and Thummim were, were anything more than these things that the priests were to wear when they went before the Lord and the Lord would give direction through the high priest. Um, so that's my thought on it. But it could be, if you read, now, now, see now when I make a comment like that, my hope would be some of you think, hmm, that's fascinating and you'd go do a little research. Uh, and... Uh, you, there's a lot of things in there. But for me, I would sort of go with, um, they, they, uh, it just sort of, they were there, and when the priest went in, representing the nation like this, it, it sort of, he was sort of conveying a petition from the people of the Lord asking for his direction, particularly in decisions as to when they were to go and where they were to go and what they were to do and if they were to engage in battle, so on and so forth. But you'll see the Urim and the Thummim pop up, Thummim pop up between, from lots of times between now and First Samuel, and then you won't see them anymore. Okay, so verses 31 through 35. God instructed the hem of Aaron's blue robe decorated with gold bells and pomegranates of blue, purple, and scarlet material. Um, 
And, and so when, when uh, and they said, you know, in a, in a repetitive way, golden bell, pomegranate, golden bell, pomegranate. Uh, it had been a very pretty thing. Pomegranates were known as a symbol of abundance, uh, and uh, they were used a lot in Solomon's temple. We'll see that. The bells were just sort of a, the, you knew that the high priest was still moving around. Ultimately, you'll find out when they go into the most holy place, they would have a rope tied on them so that if they died in there, <laughs> they could pull them out by the rope. Because uh, if you hear the bells stop, <laughs> count five and then pull. So, <laughs> so, um, so all this stuff was necessary. And so, so every day, Aaron would go in and he would attend the oil lamps. He would walk in. The bells would be ringing. Everybody would hear him coming. They'd turn around. You know, they'd hear him coming back out. This washing that we talked about, you know, the, all, it had to be. All that would go. All these undergarments were necessary. You couldn't, like, run late and show up late and go running into the holy place not ready and do the lamps. That wasn't going to happen. You wouldn't live through that. And we'll actually see that with two of Aaron's sons. They, they sort of like, this is a hassle. We're going to look for a shortcut, and it doesn't work. And... Uh, the, 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 you know, the idea was that the bells were sort of like knocking on the door. You know, you never go in unannounced. Not that God needs to knock, but it's just sort of this picture. And then this turban that's cool, too, because so they wear this, you know, this hat, uh, and, and they had a, uh, literally a, a medallion on it um, in gold that said, Holy to the Lord. And when Aaron would go into the Lord's presence and present the offerings and the sacrifices of Israel, even though they'd inspected them to make sure they were what they needed to be, if in, in any case they weren't right up to the point they should have been, um, it said that Aaron would bear the guilt um, and, and of it, and yet the holy to the Lord that was there was sort of a sign of the, the forgiveness and sanctification in the process. And so... Um, the, the name of the Lord, born by a a M Aaron, made the gifts that were brought acceptable and holy to the Lord. And so what we see out of that is, is it's another picture of Jesus. Um, so Aaron, you know, as the high priest then, bearing God's name, became the conduit of grace to people. And, and in the Hebrews, we read it, the author of Hebrews makes this connection uh, to Aaron in order to explain the importance of Jesus' humanity. See, you know, Jesus was fully God and fully man. He needed to be both. So um, in, in, in his humanity, he was qualified to um, bear the guilt, um, be, all our guilt, before God on behalf of everyone. And so he, he was in his humanity uh, the agent of transferring the guilt from the people to the God who forgives it. And, and so... Uh, Jesus' humanity made that possible to become that necessary human agent, our high priest. But because Jesus was also fully God, he could accomplish this transfer from the people to the throne of grace once for all, perpetually as the high priest in heaven. So that there's that, it's very important that he could do that. Aaron's thing was always temporary, but Jesus was able to do both as high priest because he was fully God and fully man. And that's why we have access now to God the way they, they couldn't even imagine back then because of what's taken place. So... That's, uh, I talked a long time about clothing today, and uh, that's a good thing. But we're going to stop right there. Thanks for watching. If you're watching, come and visit us when you can. Website for prayer. See you soon.